Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace is yours, mercy is yours, and peace is yours. From God our Father, and from our dear Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, Some of you may recall when I preached in Advent, I opened by saying that I was going to do something that was ill-advised, and uh, I'm going to do that again because it seemed appropriate for this particular circumstance. Uh, in general, we're warned not to go too in the weeds about the, the specific language of the text that we're preaching on. Do the homework so that it informs the, the preaching, but don't let it actually bleed through. I'm going to do that today because the words of our meditation for this evening, Psalm 1, are very particular, very pointed. They're, there's a lot to be gained from understanding the finer points of what the psalmist is saying. And so, we'll begin. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Like I say, the particular words are very important. They're very important here because if you're listening, the words that sort of the poetry asks you to listen to, and a lot of what, uh, what in fact, sort of the whole language is designed to do is bring your attention to the verbs, right? Walk, stand, sit, delight, meditate. These are important sorts of words for us to look at, and they're all action words. It draws us to this idea that there's meant to be action, it's, uh, and of course it does. That's sort of the first question you get after that first line. Blessed is the one. Okay, blessed or happy is another translation that is often used, as we heard in, in our, our lovely song for this evening. How do I get that? <laughs> how do I be blessed? How, how do I become happy? And there's something to be said for that in this psalm, that it will tell us what the conditions are for one who is blessed, one who is happy. But I don't think that it is right or proper to really focus on the action. And I don't think the psalmist is really drawing us to focus On the action, he's inviting us to read with an attention to the state of things. Notice there's that threefold negative statement, right? He does not walk, he does not stand, he does not sit. Well, that sounds like it encompasses everything that this blessed one does. It's, it's everything. It's more about who that person is than the particular parts of things that they do. It's the entire life. This is further backed up by those words delight and in the, the clarification of that meditation, day and night. Meditates on his word day and night. It is and I do not exaggerate, my entire job 
to meditate on the word of the Lord. And yeah, I do that in the day and and in the night. And if you manage to fulfill the words of the the psalmist here, good on you. You are are better than I, (laughs) that's for sure. Day and night used in other places in the scripture, even within our own language, it means all the time. And this is a tool that God uses all, again, all the time, day and night, throughout the scriptures to, to teach us a lesson, is to hold that, no, 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 the standard for living is unattainable. Day and night meditating. That delight, though, that word is important, too. Have you ever tried to delight in something? It doesn't, I, I can't even, it's not an active sort of thing. There are things you do that stretch out of delight in something. You can answer all sorts of questions about that word, delight. You can say, what do I delight in? Where do I delight? When do I delight? Even why you delight. Those, those are easy enough questions to answer, but how? How do you delight? You delight because the thing is delightful. Well, that's why, but how? How do you... I, I do these things. I, I smile and, and sing and dance. And, well, that's... Yes, that's what you do when you delight, but how do you delight? It's a matter of, of being. It's a matter of, of just direction for where you are. And that's what the psalmist continues to invite us into as we go on. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. And again, as we try to answer that question, how do I get this this blessedness? How do I get this happiness? How do I participate in this? The psalmist again invites us not to focus on the verbs, not to focus on the doing, but to focus on the being. A tree that is planted by streams of water, even in the case of the wicked, who we've been talking about the things that the wicked do for this entire time. Even they, it's a passive sort of thing, like chaff that the wind blows away. The chaff doesn't blow itself away. The wind blows it away. In the same way, the tree does not choose where it is planted, but it delights in that place. That place where it has been planted is its happiness, is its blessedness. It is near those streams of water. And this is an image that flows, pardon the pun, through all of Scripture, (laughs) is this idea of the location of God's people, where they are, being sort of the definition for who, 
and especially this water. This wa- I know we're pursuing this tree thing, but bear with me. We'll get back to it. This water sort of thing, this stream of water. We hear it all throughout the scriptures. We hear it here in the Psalms. We hear it in the prophets, like we read at the beginning of our service, our, in, our words of invocation were words from Jeremiah, the prophet, about a tree planted by streams of water. Our Lord Jesus also addresses this idea of water, living water in John 4. Perhaps the most poignant image of this stream of water, the second most poignant image, they're related, the two of them, is in Ezekiel, right near the end of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel describes the stream, the river, that flows from the throne of God out through the land, giving life to the desert places as it flows out. And that same image is then taken up again in Revelation when John is talking about the, 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 the river of life that flows through the city of God, and he talks about another tree, the, the tree of life. It's the river. Yes, the river and then the tree of life. I might have confused that, uh, that adjective there. This tree of life planted by the river. This is what it means to be God's people, is to be in his word, is to be in him. God and his word are not divisible things. Which actually brings me to a point that I missed. That word law up there, and we get, we get it again as we keep going. That word is uh, Torah, which if you know five Hebrew words, you know Torah. <laughs> Torah is the word that is broadly used for the first five books of the Bible and even more broadly used for the entire Old Testament. It is not just the law of God, though that is a good rendition of the word. I don't mean to shake your faith in your translations. They're good translations. But I do think that it might be, might give us a little more edge to say that the teaching in those, those words, that that teaching, that word, that sort of more all-encompassing everything which God has said and everything that he is and everything that he does, that's what we are to meditate on day and night. That is the stream that we are to be planted by. The psalmist continues, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Eyes straight ahead. That's what this ending is about. Psalm 1 is the introduction to the entirety of the Psalter, and so it is important that it should set our gaze aright as we continue through Jesus' own prayer book. That the way of the wicked will not persist, 
and that the Lord watches over most translations, the, the translation that I was reading out of in preparing says the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's another real important word. It's not necessarily as well known as Torah. This is yada is the word in Hebrew. It is a theme that is taken up throughout the scriptures is God knowing his people. It's, it's a deeper sort of thing than just some cognitive head knowledge about he knows. And so watches over really does get a little bit closer to what this word is getting at, that the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But it, it, it's this, this deep sense of, of knowing. It's, it's this participation in this co-mingling of this idea is that, that God embraces. It's a, I like to throw out when I'm feeling a little bit crude that uh, this is to know in the biblical sense. It's, uh, and, and that is what it's getting at, is this idea of, of union, of more full and perfect knowledge and participation. And it is good that we should have our eyes set on this idea of God knowing us and us knowing God. That is the great Christian vision of the eschaton. I mentioned Revelation, that most poignant image of the tree of life planted by the stream which flows from the throne of God through the city, the new Jerusalem. It is a beautiful, beautiful image Athanasius, a fourth century church father, the, the Athanasian Creed is named for him, though there's some contention about whether or not he actually wrote it. He was real important for the Nicene Creed and did a lot of apologetics for it. But his idea for salvation, his sort of soteriology is the word that we use for it, was this idea that everything, everything slides in this, this time, we are living in a sort of trans, transient, transitory, transitional sort of state for things in terms of the, the history of everything. And so things are sliding towards that which they belong to. God created the whole world from nothing out of nothing, ex nihilo is the Latin phrase that gets thrown around for that. And so, as we continue toward the end, those things which were created from nothing and remain of nothing slide back to nothing. But God, who is... That's... <laughs> God's name, which is thrown around an awful lot in this psalm, Yahweh, it means I am. He who is and who alone is and exists independent of anything else. He is non-contingent. He does not hang on anything. We, created from nothing, are not of nothing. We are God's own people. And so when all is said and done, what's going on, the entire trajectory of our lives through to the last day is that we have been claimed by the Spirit through God's word, through baptism, 
through the Lord's Supper, we, God's people, are of Him. And so, move (laughs) to Him, to a greater and fuller sort of existence, to more and more of that which is good, to that river, to the tree of life, that we are (laughs) His people and will live in that place where there is no need for any created light, for the Lamb who dwells in the midst of the city will be our light. We are God's people. We are His trees, the trees of His orchard, branches of the vine. And it's our, our being that way, our having been planted and cared for. That is how we are blessed. Now may that peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.